Just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at SidebarForever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. All right, everybody, Adrian is on assignment in Parts Unknown, and until he returns, I will be handling announcer duties. So here we go. The art of adapting something from one medium to another can be just that, an art. Dialogue taken from the pages of a novel won't always translate well to the big and small screens. Story beats in TV and film can be quite different from the story beats in, let's say, a comic book. Also, novels, comics, and films don't have commercial breaks the way network television does. In other words, if you want your adapted IP to resonate with its new audience, changes have to be made. On today's podcast, Dwight and I take a look at adaptations that were creatively and commercially successful, as well as a few that fell eh, short. Uh, Was it simply a matter of talent and execution? Are some IPs unadaptable? Speaking of IPs on the pod, we talk Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, Jaws, Zack Snyder's, as well as HBO's Watchmen, how Stella got her groove back, Serenity, The A-Team, Marvel's Netflix shows like Daredevil and Punisher, and a few more. And we end the conversation on the new Dune adaptation by acclaimed director Denis Villeneuve, set for release in U.S. theaters on October 22nd. All right, prepare yourselves as Dwight and I rewrite dialogue, create composite characters, and completely change the third act as we discuss the art of the adaptation. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about adaptations is, and I sent you, you know, I think I recommend, uh, threw this topic out here a while ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, but one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is because I remember years ago when How Stella Got Her Groove Back came out in theaters, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so me and my wife went to see it. It was like a date night thing. And uh, I remember after the movie, she was saying, oh, she had read the book by Terry McMillan. And she was saying that one of the differences was in the book, the character of Stella goes on vacation to Jamaica by herself. Her friend, uh, Delilah, who was played by the uh, Whoopi Goldberg in the film, had already passed away. Okay. But in the movie, they adapted it and they had Whoopi go with her and go on the trip. You know, it was like a you know, girl's trip or whatever between the two of them. And then she meets this younger guy. And then later on, Whoopi gets sick. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of you know, continues from there. And, and and just thinking back on that particular conversation, you know, it just got me thinking about, you know, adaptations and, you know, how well they work sometimes, how, you know, when they don't work well, you know, like what, like what are the differences? Because, you know, we talked about on the show, you know, you and I and Adrian, you know, like about the, uh, the original X-Men movies, Yeah, you know, and yeah. you, you've, you've gone on the record multiple times and we'll go again. indeed uh but you know you've gone on the record multiple times you know just talking about how Mm -hmm. um you know the the changes that they made from the comics you know just really left you as as a as a as a hardcore super fan from you know going way back Mm -hmm. you know just kind of left you really wanting like you know what is this right and and we talked even in those past conversations about how adapting something from one medium to the next you know, you have to make changes in order for it to uh, to work for the medium. In other words, what's on, you know, what's on the written page doesn't necessarily work in, in TV and film. And, you know, uh, the story beats are different. The pacing can be different. Um, you know, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so I think it's it's a subject like like you and I were talking about off mic, you know, this kind of rife for kind of uh, uh, going through because. So many things, you know, Hollywood is is absolutely their dick is hard for, you know, an established IP. And, hey, it already has a, a built in audience. Doesn't matter how small it is. Comic books. Right. Novels, whatever it is. Board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legos, you know, just yeah. whatever. Yeah. Video games. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of it. All of mm-hmm. it, man. Mm-hmm. But um. But as adaptations go, so so what Dwight and I did is, is we put together, you know, just like a short list of things that we thought were adapted well and some things that, you know, weren't adapted so well. Mm-hmm. And just kind of wanted to kind of discuss, um, you know, what it is that makes something work. And and in some cases, I guess the question could be asked, like, well, let me start with here. Do you think some things are unadaptable? Uh, 
Well, as things are proven, I mean, the unadaptable is becoming adaptable. I mean, everybody thought that, that Lord of the Rings was unadaptable, and, you know, mm -hmm. Peter Jackson did a really good job of that. I mean, there were some liberties taken, much to some people's chagrin, but for the most part, he remained true to the source material, and that's what it takes. It takes someone who's read the books first off, you know? It takes somebody that has gathered all the materials together and decided, okay, can all this be put galvanized into one movie, or will it be a, a situation where you're going to turn it into a television show? Mm -hmm. And then go and then go from there because you know when you're when you're trying to dissect the, the written medium, you know, like you always say, Swain, the the, the the theater of the mind is contributes to what you see inside your brain for for, for that what you're reading, you know. So, you know, I I, I think um yeah I think uh, yeah I mean any in, in the right hands anything can be adapted in the right hands. Yeah, you know now nowadays. I I would agree, man, and I and I think it just requires a certain amount of talent and, and ambition, mm -hmm. and uh, and the right you know kind of collaborators to kind of execute it. I do think that in in some cases, though, um, you know, when people fail really mightily, like just mightily, like they just catch a straight L, right, and it's just like you know it just kind of leads you to believe, well, maybe this can't be done, right, and so and so case in point, going back to X Men, like now you know that Marvel you know for all intents and purposes, it has the rights to, you know, to do the X-Men in the Marvel Universe, in the MCU, right? Right. But those X-Men movies just kind of wore me out to the point where I, I don't know that I care anymore. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing where, um, you know, they, they're taking the best, they're taking all the, all the juice out of the IP and all the interest out of the IP by, but we're saturating you with, with, mm-hmm all the characters countlessly and just like okay this is what colossus looks like this is what you know cyclops looks like this is you know, it's all out of order and all out of all all arranged according to popularity versus what was the truth of what the story was and that that becomes that becomes a problem with identity right and it's going to take a problem with it's going to take somebody like as a masterful storyteller and um like take a script that's really really um not so interested with with um popular characters per se but somebody that's interested in doing the story and sequence and do justice to it um, to make me interested in it again. Now, I'm about to see evidence of that, too. Like, I mean, they're going to show me some stuff, some trailers. It's going to show me some stuff that's like, you know, evidentiary what they're what they're trying to do. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, and I, and no, I forgive them for the past. That's not a problem. I mean, they did what they did from the time they had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's like an abusive spouse, yo. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah, they didn't mean it, <laughs> right, right. You know, you know, they did the best they could what they had for the time, and quite frankly, Mar was going, Mar was going out, going bankrupt, yo, at the time. So you know, and, and we, we didn't know about. So they, they sold off the properties they thought they used to sustain their their business, as any person would do, you know, as any group of com a company would do. So they get credit for that, but beyond that, and they continued, they continued not. Um, um, saga and 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 rewrites and and abuse of continuity and and reality and characterizations mm -mm, mm, it's a done deal now let me ask you this now you're not looking from the x-men movies if they do reboot them in the in the mcu you're not looking for like yellow and blue costumes are you no 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 no. okay even though some for, some some homage to that some little throwback to that would be kind of cool like in a like in a <laughs> I liked about um, Luke Cage. Netflix is uh, Luke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome, yo. That tear. It was. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was horrible, man, but it was it was funny. It was a great, great, good um, little homage to what, what the character was in the comics. Yeah. And things like that. You know, you could play, play, do that, but um, I'm not expecting, um, you know, uh, verbatim or, or a literal translation or of what. You know these characters' costumes look like, but what I'm expecting though, Sun Degree now is given that that um, you do have they have a lot more control over their of their IPs to uh, give me more of a of a, um, a spin that's directly related to the comics. Right. I'm with that. Give me that and give me Hickman's script uh, for the revamp of the X Men, and, and we're we're halfway there. And that'll be a successful adaptation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, maybe they will. Uh, but again, I would have to see something really monumental in the trailers, or hear people you know that I who I really trust who are excited about it. Right. Because you know they have just really squandered all that with me at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, every bit of it. Yeah, but as far as the art of the adaptation, I started thinking about it, man, and and 
I think to some extent, you know, so like an adaptation in in the strictest way for me would be like if you were going to, uh, like for instance, there was a version of Little Women that came out, Louisa May Alcott. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's been adapted before, but there was a film adaptation that came out, I think in 2019, that uh, uh, Greta Gerwig, you know, wrote and uh, and directed. And it's adapting the novel. So it's, a, in other words, is you know, to some extent, there's a strict, strict adaptation of a particular novel or a story, you know, which is kind of different from like a reboot or a relaunch or a reimagining of something. So, like, for instance, if a television show gets made into a film, they're not remaking the episodes of the show in film form. They're just adapting the concept into a feature film like Star Trek. Right. You know, or something like that. And then also, too, like... um in terms of, like you mentioned, like with Liberties, you know, I was thinking about like, you know, because the Hugh Jackman thing for me, and we again, we, we've chronicled this many times on the show. Mm-hmm. I think Hugh Jackman, he sold his version of Wolverine well enough for me to like it. But at the same time, it's like in terms of a change. Well, OK, so Wolverine's supposed to be Canadian, right? Right. OK. In the film, he didn't have to be Canadian. Right. That could have been fine, but he didn't have to be walking around like, hey, good day, eh? Uh, you want some back bacon? You know, he didn't have to be like back Bob bacon. Bob and, 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 and Joe McKenzie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, he didn't have to be Canadian. <laughs> right. Because that doesn't necessarily play into who the character is. Right. But his height does. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? He's used to being picked on. He's used to being the smallest guy in the room. He's used to being the one who is underestimated. Right, called the runt. Yeah, so that's why the height was important. You know what I mean? Right. It was kind of important for Storm to be tall and statuesque mm-hmm. and striking. Right. And to be, you know, a, a brown-skinned woman who maybe has like a, a slight French accent. Right. You know, because of who, where she came from. And it was also important for, like, uh, uh, Kurt Wagner, mm-hmm. you know, for him to be. And I think they actually got his characterization well, you know. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it felt good. It felt close enough. And that opening sequence in, in X2, I still think, is, yes. is stupendous. Yes. That's the best part about all the X-Men movies, actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was real. That was really tremendous. But yeah. Um, but today, I mean, as far as the art adapt- adaptation goes, we're going to talk about, you know, things, you know, novels and TV and games and comics mm-hmm. that have been turned into films, mm-hmm. uh, films that have actually been adapted to TV shows, board games that have been adapted to films. I don't know if you know what I'm thinking about. Uh, might be. Okay. And then also, <laughs> uh, well, just all of it, you know, just mm-hmm. all of it. And it's just kind of, we'll just kind of bounce around a bit, but. In terms of uh, successful adaptations, uh, like what's something that you would consider to be something that was adapted successfully where they made creative changes that you thought, you know what, this made the thing better. This made it, you know, this made it sing more. This made it breathe more. Uh, well, arguably, I mean, I haven't actually read all of, uh, all of um, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones or uh, books, um, Songs of Ice and Fire, any of those, but arguably... From the general consensus up until last season of, of uh, the, the telev- television series on HBO, um, that was a great adapt- adaptation. People loved the characterizations. They loved the, the, the way and direction it went, in which it went. Mm-hmm. So, you know, arguably that was a good one. Um, and, of course, uh, um, Lord of the Rings uh, has got to be my go-to of all time. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it was just, it was, it was just, it was on the cutting edge of, of a new technology, understanding how to do different things as far as technology goes. It was um, done with a really, really great um, and haughty but vaunted and, and rightfully so storyline about, you know, about uh, uh, people and, and, and beings trying to survive and, and adapting to evil. Um, it just it hit all the right buttons for me. You know, it had a Andy freaking circus, Andy freaking circus, Andy freaking circus in it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it had uh, um, uh, Carl Urban, you know. Orlando Bloom. Uh, uh, Orlando Bloom. Uh, uh, Sean Sean Astin. It had uh, you know all the all the great character actors that were in there, dude. They're, and they're and they're and their youthful vigor and and not overly exposed. Uh-huh. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. And, it, mm-hmm. and his best, you know, You shall not pass. You know, 
is my shit still to this day, you know. Um, just uh, just great great costuming, great uh, great work all around. Um, so I, that would be, and the book. Uh, when you when you read the books now, um, you see that's how, that's how you know it works. Like when when, when your images are mir- when your images are mirrored by the written word by what you've seen on the screen. That's how you know you're doing a good job. Yeah. Like I can't I can't I can't picture Aragorn as being anybody else other than, than Viggo Mortensen now. I can't picture I, I picture Gandalf. As a matter of fact, I look at some of the old animation, the animated version of um, Ralph Bashkey's, which he did a great job. Ralph did it for the time and day, man. I mean, I mean, Ralph did a great job for for the animated version of, of Lord of the Rings. But the, the technology was limited, and and especially it was just mostly rotoscope animated, you know, stills here and there with a little bit of extra animation, and you could just tell a difference, man. And, and um, you know, Gandalf uh, is just like profoundly better in the in the movies. Um, yeah. Than, than what they portrayed back then. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and similarly, uh, just in terms of casting, you know, mm-hmm. like a great cast, mm-hmm. you know, after Batman the Animated Series came out, when I read the comics now, I read it in Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the voice that I hear over and over again in my head. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I read the comics. But... Um, I agree with you, man. Even though I wasn't a huge, I read, you know, I read uh, the Hobbit in uh, in high school, mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of too like what you're saying there. And I guess let me ask you another question, a follow up question. Like Tolkien as a writer, dense world building, dense culture building within the world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dense the densest in terms of language, yes, and all of that. So so the the the, um, the liberties that they took, the creative liberties and the changes that they made. You were good with it. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, I mean, there there were some characters which they which they uh, combined together that didn't really matter all that much to me on the periphery anyway. And there's some characters they omitted, which would have been weird and strange. Like the one that always gets everybody that they always refer to is Tom Bombardil. Okay, Tom Bombardil was 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 actually was was J.R. Tolkien's stand-in. It was him. That that was who he was. He he was the observer. He was like the 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 the. The uh, uh, Utah, the Watcher. You know, he was like, Uwatu. Uwatu. Like, I get that shit right for nothing. If I saw the words, I'll be, if I saw how it was written, I'll, I'll be able to pronounce it. But he, he, was, he was him. And he was, he was, you know, omnipotent. He was, he was uh, jovial and, and somewhat out of place and just like uh, sing songy. Like, he was like a, like, um, it was like people's reaction to seeing uh, Tom, Tom Sheeran in, in, uh, in one of the latest later seasons of, of Game of Thrones. You know, it's like what? Like what's this guy doing in here? He's a fucking singer. He's a, you know, not that you can't be an actor. You too. mean Ed Sheeran? Ed, Ed, Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, they, they were like, what, yeah. what's he doing in here? Is he going to sing a song for us now too? It, it was jarring for some people. I mean, for me, it didn't matter that much to me because I, I barely know his name. So I was like, he's just a character actor to me. You know, so I'm glad he didn't put him there because he would he would he would have been disruptive force. You have to understand. He would break the fourth wall and be like, what's what's going on with this character? So, but small things like that, you know. Um, you know the time expanse for for how long it took Frodo to get to the mountain inside the books versus what it took for him to get inside the movies. I mean, come on, you have a two-hour movie at best to get to make this thing work, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 they push it to the limit with some people's tolerance of, of sitting in the theater for that long. For me, I could I could sit and watch, I could sit and watch a, a Snyder version, Snyder cut version of them all day. It wouldn't bother me. But for some people, it's like okay, now get, it's it's time to go, partner. We got two hours to do this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So. Those those are the kind of things which a lot of people were, 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 were harping on that weren't weren't uh, true to the to the actual um, novel, but uh, you know, and there are other small things too. But I mean, to me, I mean, what the effort they put into it for the authentic, authenticity of the of the writing and the uh, the, the language which J.R. Tolkien wrote specifically for the Elvish he wrote for this, the various forms of Elvish, it just they just nailed it, man. They just nailed it. Mm. When um, oh when um. Uh, uh, Gladriel, she nailed it, man. She nailed it. You know, it's just a, that whole thing where you're. The thing about fantasy is it's best when it's rooted in reality. And when they show people on, the, they can actually show you how they reacted on the battlefields, on the last battlefield of man. You know, and, and they're they're all all the elves are in front of them, and they all raise their their, their swords and bows at the same time in unison. And so, man, that was that was that was awesome, dude. And it wasn't. You can't picture that in the book now. Or see that in the, in the, read that in the book without picturing that moment, so, right? That's yeah. the last I'll say with that. And that, 
And that's kind of one of the things, like with novels, like what you were saying earlier, and we, again, we talked about that before, too, the, you know, the theater of the mind, where when you're reading a book, you know, you're filling in sounds, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably even accessing, like, you know, you, all your sense memory in terms of, uh, you know, smells, things that, you know, when they mention something, and then you kind of, you know, hearken it back to this or that. If they mention a particular kind of a yellow, you know, you'll see the yellow that you see, as opposed to maybe... The, dis- the description that the uh, that the author uh, put in the book. Right. Um, and so it becomes a very much an exchange as opposed to like TV and film, you know, and even animation where they give you the sounds, they give you the, the movement, they give you music to enhance and, and to uh, to buttress the scene. Um, you know, they use all of the tricks that they can for, you know, for in filmmaking. You know, they push in close on someone's face. so You get drama. You know, very different from like when stage actors, you know, they had to project to the back of the room. So their acting was much bigger and broader mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. and their, um, you know, their performance is bigger and broader. But, you know, on, in film and on television, you know, they can get in close you can look at the face. You know, you can play with lighting, you know, um, you know, someone can see the whites of your eyes quite literally. And that adds adds to the whole thing. But I agree with you, man, um, even though I'm not a huge Tolkien fan. um, I do think that uh, Peter Jackson crushed it, you know, as far as those movies were concerned. And, and again, I, I, that's another sign that someone really adapted something fantastically where I, who was not a fan, had to bow down. You know, I had to I had to I had to I had to play, you know, pay pay my respects, you know, right, you know, to 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 how well he pulled it off. But yeah, yeah. OK, so like another example to me would be The Wizard of Oz staying in the uh, fantasy realm. OK. Have you ever read the original book? I hadn't. No. Okay. I haven't. So the original book by uh, Frank Baum, L. Frank Baum, is very in keeping with like you know um, Chronicles of Narnia and Alice in Wonderland. You know this period where you know there'd be these nightmare stories with children in it and right. You know there'd be death and witches and demons and getting flayed and torn into ovens and <laughs> yeah, you know witches who are trying to eat children and just right. all this kind of stuff. And these were you know like uh. <laughs> Fairy tales. Uh, yeah, just you know when you when you really examine them, it's like wow, this is really dark stuff. You know, <laughs> you know, like suppose, suppose you were a kid, an eight year old, and you met a man who had the you know the bottom half of a goat. Yeah, you know his body was the bottom half of a goat. It'd be it'd be horrifyingly frightening. You'd be like, God. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but even a book like that, where in the film, and you know, in the film is of course you know legendary and considered a. a a classic even to this day. Right. But in the film, Dorothy is maybe 16 or 17. That's kind of what you kind of get from it. Okay. You know, she's just this kind of country girl from Kansas, but she's maybe 16 or 17. Okay. I think in the book, she might have been like 11 or 12. She was much younger. Oh, wow. You know. So, you know, that was a change that they made, and, and, and it's obviously still worked, but... um but, you know, that's a big change. And that's not dissimilar to when later in the conversation we're going to talk about um, the new Dune that's coming out in October oh, yeah. next month. For sure. For sure. Yeah. As far as to me, like there's some super successful adaptations of novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned uh, Little Women, but you know, like The Godfather, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, Mario Puzo. Yeah. The Firm. Okay. Grisham. Uh, John Grisham. Mm-hmm. And then also like Jaws, Peter Benchley's Jaws. Okay. <laughs> which... Well, here's the thing. Benchley actually wrote the screenplay, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And in the book, there is, and I think Coley Hamner might be the one that actually uh, told us this. Okay. In the book, there's like a whole storyline where the uh, the sheriff, uh, the Roy Scheider character, mm-hmm. has an affair with like the mayor's wife or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Nice and scuzzy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, of course, you know, took it out of the movie because, you know, they wanted the character to be, I guess, pure and, 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 and that just would have been a distraction to the, you know, it's like, there's just no room for it. For sure. You know, in terms of the film, but, um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what the thought process actually was in terms of, uh, of doing that. But, um, also I read uh good, the book that Goodfellas was based on. Okay. Yeah. The book is called uh wise guy and it is actually based on the life of, uh, uh, a real life mobster named Henry Hill. Okay. And, the book is less dramatic, mm. but much of what happens in the book does happen in the movie, but just not in in kind of the same sequence. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the thing, too, like with movies, 
you know, uh, violence and sex, those things oftentimes get um, get turned up several notches because they work really well in film. Right. You know, they, they work really well as 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 a visual device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, but as far as some successful like like some TV to film, because, you know, again, once you start kind of looking at these things, you realize, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like Star Trek. It's it's a it's TV to film. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about the the Star Trek from the 80s, you know, the motion picture and then Wrath of Khan. I'm talking about the uh, the later films, you know, with uh, Chris Pine and, 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 and that whole group. OK. But I wanted to ask, too, man, as far as a TV to film adaptation, because I don't think we've ever discussed this before. Okay. But what did you think of Serenity as an adaptation of Firefly? And I was wondering if you if you knew why they didn't call the movie Firefly. Uh, I used to know the reason why they did that. Um, I think it was more a question of who had the rights as far as um, the, the the production house, which initially owned the the property. Um, yeah, I mean that the adaptation was, I mean, to for the big screen was was excellent. I mean, it had some really really great elements to it they didn't have in the in the, in the show, and they and they condensed a lot of things down, and they. And they 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 realized that they had up the stakes and you know when you whenever you up in the stakes it's a cheap um, it's a cheap and, and, and useful trope is somebody dies right and that galvanizes the team to move forward further based on that and several people died in this and it, it worked in terms of giving them reason to to go out and do what they did to quote unquote save the verse so you know mm. it was it was it was a good adaptation that's, I'm glad you brought that up man that's that's it was a good show. Um, mm-hmm. It gone before its time. It had a lot more mileage to it, um, and hopefully one day maybe it'll, it'll be uh, remade again. I don't know with all the surrounding controversy of Joss Whedon right now. <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> but uh, you know, as it was, it was it was it was it was a great concept and, and uh, kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. I think one of the best adaptations or, or, or uh, like a reimagining of a TV show into a movie and one that I still love to this day is uh, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, I've, and you know, I can barely remember seeing reruns of the, uh, the TV show when I was a kid mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. But I absolutely uh, love the movie. I think you know, the movie is great. Um, I think it still holds up every time I see it on, whenever I see it on flipping. Um, I, you know, I do sit down and watch like a few minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the things that they changed about it, which, you know, the core of the story, they kept really pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's just, they made the motivations a little different. You know, he's a doctor and, you know, you know, this guy was trying to get provasic and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, this, this drug, uh, you know, on, onto the marketplace. Right. But, um, uh, another one that I thought was really successful uh, was the Untouchables? Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, and man, and, and since you see, but you see what you're doing. You're, you're taking, you're taking. Um, and it's interesting that you say that. You're, you're taking like old um, television successful dramas that uh, they get, a, they got, a, got a new uh, rebirth of new uh, uh, technology imbued into them and put onto the big screen. That's why they work because you, you take basically the limitations of what they had back then, and then you and you add more. You know, vibrancy with the new stuff, new tech and stuff, and it makes it work better. You know, because that was like Kevin Costner at his beginning. And, oh. Well, he was in his beginning. He was he was at the height of his celebrity at the time. Um, right. You know, No Way Out, and you know all that stuff had come out. Uh, it was before Dances with Wolves, but I mean, it was he was definitely a star. Yeah, for sure. But the thing I think I liked about it was the fact that they didn't make Elliot Ness like this hard. You know, monotone G-Man, you know. Right. Yeah, see, we're going to get Al Capone. Right. You know, he he was, he was you know, he was sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, a family man. Yeah, he was a family man. He was smart. He was fallible. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have all the answers. And I like the fact that he had to go to the people of Chicago, like the Andy Garcia character and the uh, Sean Connery character. Right. Uh, in order to become... You know the Elliot Ness, you know of of repute. That that's the Chicago that's the Chicago way. That's the Chicago. It way. is the Chicago way. That, <laughs> that's my favorite line. And then the uh, the one where you're chasing the guy and he shoots the gun in the air and says, "All right, fuck this running shit." Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, did you ever see the A Team movie? 
Oh. <laughs> it was bad, yo. It was bad. <laughs> it was super bad, sir. Super bad. It was bad. This is not work. This is not work. Yeah. And, I mean, and arguably they had a, a much meaner, a much more aggressive guy playing, which, if at all possible, playing playing B.A. Baracus. And he played him like a... Oh, uh, Rampage, yeah. Yeah, Rampage. You know, like Rampage, he's kind of guys like, like he'd rip your damn arms out and give them back to you. You know, it, I just sock is giving back to you. That's the kind of kind of guy Rampage is. And um, I just didn't. Uh, it, it didn't work for me, dude. It's just that, and it was um, it was um, arguably um, <clears throat> when they were at the at the success of uh, of Taken. Um, our boy uh, Qui Gon Jinn was getting all the roles and shit. You know what I'm saying? He was a uh, <laughs> oh, uh, 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 Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. <laughs> Quite gone. <laughs> he's, he's getting all the roles and whatnot, dude. And uh, I was just like, okay, I just, Liam Neeson, everything. You know, I just, I just, I just can't, uh, it's not necessary for him to be. I mean, on, on, when I saw the, the, the cast, I was like, okay, that kind of works as a. Bradley Cooper and, you know, it's like. Yeah, uh, but see, this was Bradley Cooper before all that. You know, before he was the Bradley Cooper that we know him to be now. Right. You know, so it was like. I don't know. I thought it should have worked, but it was it was really bad. I think I, I, I watched it on cable, and after like 15 minutes, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't do no more. Right. <laughs> abort. Abort. Yeah, abort. Um, Sound the alarm. Another failure with Wild Wild West with Will Smith and uh, <sighs> Kevin Klein. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Yeah, this, this is not good, sir. No, 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 no. And, uh, and then one that Okay, so here's here's two as far as uh, TV to film. Here's two that I think we'll be split on. Okay. The Equalizer. Uh, yeah. The 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 movie the TV show with uh I can't think of the actor's name right now. He passed away a long time yeah. ago. Was superior by far. Did you see the movie? I couldn't. I well, then how you know it was superior? Yo. Because, because 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 I I, I have seen I have seen segments of the movie. Um, in passing, like you said, on television sometimes, and, and little vi- video clips, mm-hmm. and I just I just don't get it, yo. I don't get it. It's just, it's just not it's not he's not the equalizer. You can call him something else, but he, but he's not he's not he's not smooth like the equalizer. Equalizer was, was was erudite, man. You know, and 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 and, and learned and, and sophisticated. Yeah, you know? right. It was it. Was, you're right. It was it was very much like the Miami Vice movie, which was another one that was adapted oh. from a TV show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where. If they called it something else, mm-hmm. it'd have been fine. Right. But calling it Miami Vice was like, ugh, ugh. And the same thing with the Equalizer, which I remember joking with you about it before the movie came out. But you called it perfectly. It was just man on fire. Only he's not <laughs> cool. You know, he's just you know he's just kind of you know kind of a uh, understated you know kind of a, a middle aged uh, senior age guy who's working at like a Home Depot kind of a store. Right. You know, and pe- you know he's very unassuming, but you know the guy is you know. You know he's a, he's a, a military you know killer, like like uh like uh like a uh, Viggo Mortensen in that movie he played uh, um, history, of, history violence. of violence. Yeah, I mean right man, that kind of thing. It's like okay you know Sim- similar very similar to that. So right. and then the other one is and this is a guilty pleasure for me but uh okay. the SWAT movie. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever uh, see it? Uh yeah. Hello, Cool J and uh, uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Colin Colin Farrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it works kind of, sorta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't ever think about the TV show, right? But just as a as an action movie in like the two thousands, I believe it came mm-hmm. out in the two thousands. Yeah, I was just right. like, okay, yeah, this this kind of works for me. This is this is all right for me. I, I you know, I. I'm feeling this, you know, and and it had, you know, it had those kind of rewatchable moments and those key scenes that you could kind of come back to in an action, you know, an action movie or an, an action crime movie or whatever. Okay. Uh, so I thought it worked, but um, I'm, I'm gonna go reverse on you on one of those then and and say when I what I like is kind of guilty pleasure for me, um, and it's it's really really bad uh, guilty pleasure. Like, okay, um, go ahead. Good. Logan's Run, the TV show, <laughs> aired for like oh, one season. Oh man. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it, yo. Yeah, it was it was not great, sir. Who was in it? Uh, I think it was Heather Menzies. Uh played uh played uh the, 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 the female that was uh that was running with Jessica Six, whatever her name was. She was running with uh mm-hmm. with Logan and uh mm-hmm. this really, really pretty uh dude, uh Patrick somebody, uh played played Logan. Okay. And uh it was it was 
it was decent, man. I, I just I, I like the costumes. I like I like the costume of of of, of the running. Uh, I like the the weaponry. You know, as 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 cheap as it was, um, they, were, they were interesting weapons. You know, and they made a cool sound <laughs> and a cool sleek look to them. So, you know, I seem to recall liking that quite a bit as a kid. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not great. It was not great. What about what about the films that have been adapted into television shows, man? Okay, like ones ones that you think that really really worked, and then some that you think you know shit the bed. Uh, quite a few shit the bed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so for so for instance, like Fargo. Okay, I got Hannibal. You. Okay, Mandalorian. You know, adapting the Star Wars universe into a television show. You know. Yeah, I mean those obviously work. Yeah. Uh, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> not so great. Stargate SG-1, you know. Definitely not so great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and even coming all the way up to modern day where they did a Lethal Weapon TV show with Damon Wayans. Yeah. Definitely not uh-huh. so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do- double head shakes there. No, no. No, thank you. <laughs> they, they tried. I mean, a sense of humor was there for sure. Um, there, there was a cer- certain sense of lethality with the character. Um, that, that quite literally, actually, he hurt Damon Wayans on the, on the set. Um, that uh, that kind of went, made st- kind of translated from film to television in a certain way. Yeah, uh, I was I was beginning to be sort of a fan of the show, but then it, it just did, it didn't pan out. It didn't work out for him, and for obvious reasons, and it wasn't great. Um, I mean, conversely, you could talk about. Um, so I kind of want to do a little bit of rollback to to Watchmen because Watchmen is such a, a great and, and um, oh, okay. Uh, part of our lives we talked about uh watchman snyder versus lindelof and we and we talked about how you know, the watchman movie was such a homage to what moore had done to where it, it failed to take artistic liberties where it could have to make it a better film versus just a, a literal translation from the from the from the, from the comic book and um that was his, that was his major failing you know like but mm-hmm. and i change is also want to talk about the fact that i prefer i would prefer to have had the the, the, the psycho squid to be there rather than, than the and to have the you know ultimately being um, that uh, uh, it's a nuclear weapon that's you know uh, kind of uh, hour twelve type TikTok to the to nuclear Armageddon type situation you know right right and that was that was the strange thing as far as Snyder's adaptation of the original Watchmen comics not a graphic novel the comics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he made that very different change as far as the ending goes mm-hmm. as opposed to the cycle squid like you like you just talked about. And then when you see HBO's Watchmen years later, where they actually include the Psycho Squid, mm-hmm. and you see it, and you know, and they shoot it, you know, darkly so that it looks, you know, very ominous, like a giant octopus just fell on the city of uh, New York or New York State or whatever, and it actually looked more frightening in almost like a Cloverfield kind of a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like you know when they when they shoot monster movies, modern monster movies, and you know and and. You know where it was. It was creepy. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really. You couldn't. You know, it was so large and expansive. You couldn't see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it actually was a bit more frightening and a bit more unnerving than just oh a bomb went off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you there. And I, and I and obviously you know like you said on on a previous uh, episode you know uh, uh, of the show you know we talked about HBO's Watchmen and, and how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, all the things that they said, okay, well, Hey, you know, if this was going on today, you know, and they, and they adapted it into modern day, you know, what would be happening now? What would be the situation now? You know, how would things be different? How would things be the same? And they took a lot of risks, uh, with that show. And I think that they succeeded, uh, for the most part, definitely, uh, with that, um, as well. And, and also too, just a, a quick tip of the hat. I have, uh, several friends who say that, um, the Hannibal TV show with, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is actually really, really good. Yeah. Well, that's Mads. So Matt Mads is a hell of an actor. Yeah. yeah he's the man, you know. <laughs> he, he just brings it. He brings it. He brings it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, what about some goofy adaptations, man? Because, again, I, I, I alluded to it uh, earlier, but they did an adaptation of the board game Battleship and made a movie called Battleship. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the movie. The movie is, you know, it's entertaining enough as a, like a big budget popcorn, 
Right. Kind of a Michael Bay, you know, Bruckheimer kind of a production. Dan, although Dan, they didn't work Danny on Danny Bonaventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's as far you know, if you watch it and you don't think about what it's supposed to be, it's like, okay, it's like a battleship movie with Alien. Okay, all right, fine. Right. But Which again had Liam Neeson in it, the peak of his powers were in it, dude. Again, again, Liam Neeson doing his thing. Uh Taylor Taylor Yeah. Taylor, what's his name from uh anyway, the actor uh who played a uh, gambit in the uh, Wolverine movie? Exactly, and and uh, and John Carter <laughs> of Mars, and John Carter Warlord of uh, or John Carter of Mars, yeah, right. And then also, uh, I believe uh, Rih- Rihanna was in it. Rihanna was in it, and Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård was in it. Yeah, he was in it, and then also Jesse uh, Jesse Plemons, you know, an actor who's who's working a lot, who's in a lot of things now. He was in it too. Okay. It's not terrible, but the idea that it was an adaptation of a board game where basically you. I mean, there's no narrative, there's no story or plot to a board game. Right, right. It's just basically, you know, being a lazy Hollywood uh, suit and saying, okay, we can just bank off of the board game. And and this is a board game that nobody has played in like 30 years. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like. It's true, it's true. But um, another one where it's. Um, and this. Uh, going, you, we talked about the Equalizer a minute ago. That was actually. TV adapted to film, and then they went back and adapted it back to TV with Queen Latifah. Okay, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't great. It mm-hmm. was not great. I had no, I, I, yeah, we won't go there. We won't, we won't. <laughs> but um, but I was thinking about like um, toys to animation to film, and I started thinking about like Transformers. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, K- killed it. Which started out as toys, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. It started out okay. as, as toys, and, and basically, uh, um. Like uh, um, American-made knockoffs of Japanese toys, right? And uh, yeah, and it it it, it they put a storyline behind it that was successful and and turned into a, a comic book and then turn well, turn into turn into a comic book, turn into a, a television show, an animated series, and eventually made its way to live action. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean it's and it's been successful. I mean, if as you and you were talking about before, if we want to talk about a franchise, they definitely franchise Transformers. It's it, yeah. it has. Many different leads now. I mean, you have uh, Marky Mark. You always be Marky Mark to me. Uh, it's, 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 it's <laughs> feel it, feel it. <laughs> good vibrations, yo. Yeah, <laughs> you bring the good vibrations and and, uh, and uh, other other uh, other marketable um, uh, ingenues and, and into the into the into the mix for the for the tel- for the movies. And um, it, it works. It works. You know, because it's really about the characters. Really about Optimus Prime, and and you know, and those characters. So it's it's. I can't lie, yo. There was there was a, a couple of uh, dope moments in uh, in the first Transformers that I really dug. Yeah. Um. You know, and Tyrese wasn't super annoying. Right. Left the, cheek. Uh, left cheek. Left cheek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the really handsome actor, I forget his name. You know, he 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 was he was okay. You know, they didn't give him a lot to do. Um, Shia LaBeouf carries it as probably the best actor in the movie. Um, I think Anthony Anderson was in it back when he had all the weight on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Megan Good, uh, not Megan Good, Megan Fox. Fox, yeah. Megan Fox, yeah. Megan Fox is in it. Right. Well, as it relates to comics, man, which is obviously you know one of our our first loves, man, in terms right. of comics being adapted to to films and TV. I don't think anybody's adapt. Well, I mean, there are adapt- adaptations of comics that have gone to novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know for sure, uh, or not really. I, adapting the character in the IP to a novel, you know, so I, I've heard of definitely like comic writers who wrote like Superman novels. Okay, uh, I think sure. Roger Stern wrote a Superman novel uh, and there have been others. Um, but comics that have been adapted to film, you know, we got like Road to Perdition, uh, Red, 30 Days of Night, Ghost World, Hellboy, uh, Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. uh, the aforementioned Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got like more in more modern day, we've got Umbrella Academy, Right, very good actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, The Walking Dead, Invincible. Right. Uh, we've got The Boys, and then Punisher, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen all of these. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see Scott Pilgrim. I've only seen one Hellboy movie, and I didn't really like that very much. Right. Um, Ghost World, I thought was really good. Mm. Um, with a, you know, like a young Scarlett Johansson playing like a teenager. Okay, that was her. Okay. Thirty Days of Night was pretty good, although it was different from the comic. But it, you know, right. it, was, it was pretty good. Ben Temple Smith and Steve Niles. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the movie, uh, Josh Hartnett was uh, was cast as the main character. Okay. okay. I really dug, oddly enough, and I think I talked to Cully about this, Cully Hamner, uh, former guest and a friend of the show. Uh-huh. Um, I really liked the Road to Perdition movie better than I did the comic. Mm. Tom Hanks and uh, Jude Law. Okay. Uh, and a bunch of other character actors that you would know from uh, from other things. Uh, Stanley Tucci's in it. But the thing I didn't like about it, as uh, as in terms of casting, was I just didn't buy Tom Hanks as anybody's hitman. He just didn't convince me. And so that, that threw me off from the very beginning. That's why I don't, I don't actually, I don't know about to really watch it because I just, I don't get him as that. Yeah. Okay. He's like, he's like everybody's dad, yo. He's he's like he's like the portrait of Eddie's father. He's like he's like a he's like a he's like the universal. Uh, uh, Fred McFeely Rogers, dude. He's that guy. I mean, that's he's just that, you know. Um, yeah. And and he and, and he pulled off Fred Rogers better than he did uh, you know, Sullivan in uh in Road to Perdition. But also in Road to Perdition too, before I forget to mention, obviously, um we have an early Daniel Craig performance. Okay. As uh as Paul Newman's, you know, his kind of villainous son. Okay. Um but if you ever get a chance to see it, if you can put aside, you know, the Tom Hanks casting, it's a very good movie. Okay. You know, and it's better if you don't think about the comic. If you just think about it as a film, uh, it's it's better as that. I remember my wife uh, liking it quite a bit too when we uh, when we watched it. Okay. But um, let me ask you this: There's because you know mileage varies on those Netflix uh, Marvel shows. You know, Punisher, Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and then the Defenders. Actually, here recently, and I know what I said to you guys before about superhero fatigue, but my wife started rewatching The Walking Dead. Okay. And I started seeing uh, John Barenthal playing Shane. I was like, ah, I kind of want to see him play the Punisher again. Right. So I went back to Daredevil season two and rewatched uh, the Punisher episodes. Mm-hmm. Dude, so good. Yeah. He's so good, man. Oh, my God. He kills it, man. Yeah. He kills it. I, I, as a matter of fact, he, he's so good. At, at, he's so good at being the Punisher. I don't think they had, I, I think they initially had the idea for. A Punisher TV show being in Netflix, but because his performance is so stellar, they they greenlit him being, uh, or that that character being an interesting character for Netflix. I mean, I always assumed that they they signed everybody up with the intention that something could happen. Right. And I agree with you. Once they saw his performance, you know, they were like, "Oh man, you know, we got a really live one here." Mm-hmm. But just spot on casting, mm-hmm. just really fantastic. And so now I'm actually considering going back and watching maybe the first season of Punisher. Until I reach a point where maybe, you know, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm kind of done. But I might watch it all the way through. I don't know. But, you know, Barenthal was so great. But in terms of adaptations, you know, it's not, you know, they took liberties. Obviously, you know, you, you, know, you could set it in the 70s and set it around, you know, the Vietnam War. But, you know, they brought it to modern day to the Gulf War and to, and, and to that sort of thing. Right. Um, but what is it you think that those, you know, like, I think Punisher worked. Daredevil seventy percent of the time worked. Yeah, I say eighty percent, ninety percent. Luke Cage for me, sixty to seventy percent of the time it worked. The first season. Yeah, the first season. More of the first season than anything else. Right. Jessica Jones, I liked it up until I only watched about liked about half of those. Okay. okay. I thought it was too long. I thought that was too long. But why do you think those shows? And maybe it's because Marvel was at the helm, and this, you know these were. Uh, you know, this was Jeff Loeb and uh, Drew Goddard and, uh, you know, and I guess ultimately Kevin Feige. Yeah. Uh, that, kind of controlling it. those. Why do you think those worked and were adapted so, and, and worked so well as adaptations? Well, like you said, I mean, it was, it was these, these are a couple of things. First off, they were, they were ground-based heroes. So they're, they're, they're nothing, there's nothing spectacular about them. There's nothing really mystical about them. There's a few superhero uh, elements to them, what they do as far as the powers and stuff goes. But they're basically common people. Uh, ordinary people doing ordinary things, or ordinary people doing super, doing fantastic things, but not in a fantastic manner. Right. So you had like you had Daredevil was getting beat up and and fighting and and brutal fisticuffs and felt the felt the pains and had to pay rent, went home and had to, had to, had a had a, had a, had a get get patched up several times by the night nurse. You know, uh, had to you know a lot of different things happened that that, um, that made him seem human. You know, and that's the. That's really the success of most of the uh, the, net, the uh, Netflix series. Is that everybody was, while they made they made heroic choices and and and, and um, arguably superheroic choices, they they still remained human. They had human flaws and human problems to deal with and contend with. Yeah. And um, that was that was when they when they ventured out of that's when they got in trouble. Like when you when you when you took 
when you turned um, Danny Rand into this this uh, 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 first off it was miscast um, and, and and ill prepared um, character that could have been so much more. He's a master of martial arts, right? Supposedly, and didn't show in his styling and his and his, his choreography was just got god awful. Nothing. So they so screwed the pooch on that one. So that that would that would start the start of thing of their of their, their downfall with Netflix and they, they got out at the right time in terms of dealing with that character. But um I think um I, I enjoyed uh, uh some of the the uh the characterizations of of uh, of um of Matt Murdock and the Foggy that, that entire cast was dynamic, man. They're really, really good. They worked real well together. It sure was. Um, yeah. You could see you, you could see them you could see them I mean it could have been a, a, a episode of LA Law in some instances. It could have been an episode of uh some of these other uh, um, uh, TV show procedurals. That's how good it was um, at some point. But then, uh, you know, uh, it, it, and very seldom went off the rails to the point, now they're actually talking about bringing um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio back, Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin in, in the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, uh, as, uh, and, and possibly in Spider-Man, the next, next, uh, um, next uh, Spider-Man movie coming out. So that would yeah. be cool. And I've heard uh, that uh, Kristen Ritter, who played uh, Jessica Jones, has been throwing it out there that she would love to play the character again, um, you know, in some form or fashion, you know, Marvel connected, you know, perhaps even in the MCU. She was good. Um, she wouldn't have been my first choice, but I think she was good. Right. And she made it work. And I was actually hoping, man, like you were talking about Iron Fist and, you know, that actor who played Iron Fist, the, uh, I think it was a Scottish guy. Yeah. Or he may have been Irish, but. Um, From Game of Thrones. He, yeah. He, um, I heard from our friend who works in the, uh, in Hollywood Circles. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, the word on on the street in uh, in L.A. was that uh, that he didn't um, the actor, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't he didn't take the training seriously. Okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so you and so you have the uh, the actor who played uh, who played uh, Colleen Wing, uh, 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 Christina Henwick. Yeah. She was more badass than he was. Like I mean, I was like I was I was ready for the Daughters of the Dragon with her and Misty Knight. She was killing it, sir. Yeah, they both were. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so. I don't know. I think you're right. I, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. All the ones that all the the all of the shows or all the characters that they chose to adapt uh, in the Marvel Netflix shows were real world kind of you know grounded heroes. Mm-hmm. They could do extraordinary things, but not things like you know they don't have to fly per se. Right. You know, they have to shoot laser beams out of their eyes or uh, you know uh, lift buildings and you know and cities off. You know, they don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. You know, they're gonna lift the bumper of a car. Sure. They're going to punch somebody through a wall and bullets are going to bounce off. Well, you know, we can we can suspend disbelief enough to do that. Right. We can justify that. We can see that happening based on what their their origin is, but not nothing that's too far from, you know, realistic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, winding it down, man, you know, as I mentioned earlier in our in the beginning conversation, Dune comes out next month on October 22nd in U.S. theaters. Yes. <laughs> Directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve and mm-hmm. starring Timothy Chalamet, who we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac, mm-hmm. Josh Brolin, Stellan mm-hmm. Skarsgård, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, mm-hmm. yes. Chang Chen, mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte Rampling, Jason mm-hmm. Momoa, and Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. And I know you're looking forward to it. You said you actually read the, the original. Uh, yes, Frank Herbert's doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Books, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the. Um, was it 84, 86 when the, uh, I was, uh, I think it was 86, man. Yeah. I think it was 86, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that one and where that one, where you think as someone who is acquainted with the source material, where you think that one went wrong. And then let's talk oh. about, uh, uh, villain, uh, his version coming up. So in short, um, <laughs> there, there, you know, it was, it was, it was, a. it was, a. I'll say this for the time. I, I was, I'll say this about about the, about uh, about Lynch's version. Um, for the time, it was it was of his time, and they they gave they, they were, he was trying to to scale down and and and, and put into a, a, a two hour film bubble something that was massive in its intent mm. and equal to uh, what what Tolkien had done. Yeah, um, a lot of that's ways. Every, that's what I. That's what I. I've heard from everybody. So yeah, it's serious world building. Yeah, so you you, you simply cannot do that in 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 a, in a two hour movie. Um, you know, without a great deal of skill 
and and that's not that wasn't his that wasn't his uh that wasn't his strength. Um, visually, I will say uh, while it's ragtag and 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 raggedy and and um, just got awful in terms of set design, a lot of ways. Um, there's a certain kind of uh, uh, charm to it, as you would say. And um, <laughs> now, is that nostalgia talking, or is that you think that's an accurate, uh, an accurate assessment of the movie? It's definitely nostalgia because uh, the, the, <laughs> the ship designs were garbage. Um, the 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 the, the uh, uh soldier designs were garbage. Um, you know, didn't uh, now didn't Mobius and H.R. Giger work on the original Jodorowsky? Yeah, Jodorowsky, yeah, yeah, Jodorowsky version, which never saw the light of day for obvious reasons. I mean, I mean, you talk about a guy that's out there. I mean, Jodorowsky, Alejandro Jodorowsky, he's out there, dude. I mean, he's he's very much a Chilean Artur, man. He's he's the guy is he's he's brilliant, but no, I mean. I mean, if he if he got a chance to work on the HBO series uh, or the Showtime series, it was on that, that might have been that might have been kind of interesting, kind of good because that that was a bland show in and of itself. But going back to asking as far as the the the, the movie that adaptation goes, is um, Lynch's version was was pretty much uh, laughable and garbage. But he got a couple things right um, and a couple things which uh, he, he um, I liked. I, I I'm liking I like his version of the Baron Harkonnen better, even though he was very much a theatrical. You know, over over overstated. Uh, right. But I, and I haven't seen the I haven't seen um, uh, the new version um, played by Skarsgård yet, uh, the Elder Skarsgård. Um, but um, it looks a lot more demure. It looks a lot more uh, uh, menacing and hulking, kind of in a manner which you would suspect uh, uh, maybe the kingpin would be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's not that's not menacing. That's just uh, that's just I mean, and and quite frankly. Um, the actor that played and the way the character design was for Baron Harkonnen, Vladimir Harkonnen, was just nasty and and and, and you just looked at him. He's like the the scars and stuff and the, the the lines that aren't said in the book at all. They're obviously made for for te- for, for the movie. Like Baron, your sores are like the 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 the, the epitome of of goodness and you know that <laughs> never never stated in the book. Never said that in the book. Um, things like um. Just a little, just a little spittle in your eye, just a little spittle, and things like that, which which are which are great for t- some kind of perverted greatness for for the movie, never happened in the book, sir. Right. One of the, one of the biggest omissions, one of the biggest sins, which were never which were never discussed, and um, uh, you know, I guess you can call it spoilers here. If people haven't read the books, um, um, the Atreides and the Harkonnens are related through Jessica. Jessica is a is a Harkonnen. Lady Jessica, the, the the concubine that gives birth to Paul Atreides, is a, is a, is a Harkonnen. Baron Harkonnen is her is her uncle. So that was never discussed at all. They were just enemies. They were just di- diametrically opposed enemies put there by by the by the uh, the the Emperor Shaddam, Padishah, blah 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 the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, catching tongues, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just like it's like. Um, Dude, you know that was a sin. Oh, that's that's a, that's a gross omission because that add more gravitas to the storyline. But but you know, the, but there's some things which are which are really good that I liked that that were for the sake of time that worked for me. You know, but um, this def this reboot this this new uh, film is definitely going to be a, um, and it's only part one because he didn't even realize he couldn't do it all justice in one film. So there's going to be a part two too. But I mean, visually, it's better. Um, story t- story wise, it seems to be better. Um, you know, they re- they really really set um, um, Jason Momoa's character up. If he, if they play this the way through the way it should be done, Jason Momoa's character is gonna. This, this is a serious franchise builder for him. He'll be he'll be if he makes this happen and they play this this, this film uh, series out to the end, he'll be set for life because his character his character is a major character throughout the series. Okay, more so than Paul Atreides. You know, I don't want to spoil for anybody, so I'm not gonna go into what Paul, happens to Paul, but. You know, um, you know. Anyway, um, it's, it's a really good movie, a really good, really good, really good story, and I'm glad they're giving a, a, a chance to, to to breathe a new sense of fresh air and and, uh, and realization to it. Um, yeah. Do you think, man, that um, you you know you're more of a television person than a than a movie person, right? Um, do you think that uh, material that is as dense as this is 
um, would be better served as a show as opposed to even a two and a half hour movie, a three hour movie. Here's the thing. It would have been better off as a television show if they had the budget behind it, but given what they did before prior to using doing like the Children of Dune as a as a was it Children of Dune or was it or was it uh Dune Messiah? I think it was Children of Dune they turned it into a television show. Might, no, might have been Dune No, it was Dune it was Dune they did Dune the first they did the first movie over again as a television show, and then they did Dune Messiah afterwards. And they were god awful. They were got low budget, uh, you know, uh, overacted, and you know, um, just just the, the special effects and the, and, the, and the, the characterizations are just like while they tried, you know, somewhere 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 accurate. The guy that played Paul <laughs> uh-huh. was the, the guy that played Paul in in the in the, te- in the television series is much better than the comic Laughlin's version of Paul. Think think about it. Paul Atreides is fifteen years old. Did friggin' Colin Laughlin ever like fifteen years old? Even when he's fifteen years old, probably not. <laughs> he looked like he was thirty in the movie. You know. So that's it. So it's like, dude, you know, and um, you know, I mean, uh, Chani played by 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 Zendaya is going to be it's going to be excellent, dude. Even though she's very very limited, well, I understand very limited, uh, very limited limited time in this film. But the next film she'll have more have more have more opportunity to do more things. But right, um, everybody, people I trust uh, for opinions as far as um, video bloggers go, uh, the ones I trust uh, of, of giving uh, rave reviews um, on it. So I mean, and. Uh, Hans Zerman's score, Whew. yeah, yeah, <laughs> impeccable. Yeah, sir. yo, the fucking maestro, yo. He's killing it, man. And they're, they're like they're like inventing new new instruments for this this uh, this, uh, this 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 uh, uh, musical organization, musical orchestration. And um, I'm I'm just excited all the way, dude. I'm excited all the way for it. it. It I gotta admit, it looks fantastic. I mean, it looks like incredible. Yes. Um, and you know, I'm not really like a fantasy guy, so I think this is kind of like sci-fi fantasy, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. maybe a merging of the two genres. Right. But I do have to admit that uh, my interest is peaked because I like uh, Villeneuve's movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I loved Arrival. Okay. Arrival and uh, Blade Runner 2049. Right. And uh, and he also did a, he did another movie called Prisoners that I didn't know he worked on. It was okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard of all things, your Wolverine oh, and uh, Rhodey. Oh. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you've never seen Arrival, it's brilliant. Okay. Okay. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, seeking it out with uh, Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, Forrest Whitaker. Okay. Um, so I, I'm in, I'm interested because I, I feel like the you know he as a filmmaker he really is a talented filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and has made some uh, some really interesting uh, interesting movies. Now mm-hmm. that said, that said, he is in the news. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, here in recent days, uh, and we're re- recording this on uh, what is today, <laughs> September nineteenth. Nineteen. Yeah, we're recording this on September nineteenth. Oh shit. Uh, and here recently, in the last few days, Villeneuve was uh, he was uh, interviewed by the direct an online magazine or outlet about the upcoming uh, Dune movie. And he kind of went in on the Marvel movies. Okay. Yeah. I heard about that. So, uh, and it (laughs) says, uh, I'm reading, reading a quote from, uh, from the direct uh, Villeneuve revealed that, uh, or about the, about his interview with the direct Um, Villeneuve uh, revealed that Marvel movies have turned us into zombies a bit. He claims that the issue is that we are in front of too many Marvel movies and that, that are nothing more than cut and paste of others. He added, Villeneuve, he added, just think of the golden age of Hollywood to see that commercial films can make a different, a different artistic proposal and therefore political. And uh, he also says, he says, I have never felt it a loss or an impediment to have a generous budget to do what I want to do. You know, and, uh, and so anyway, he's basically, and, and really and truly, I mean, this is probably his opinion. Of course, he mm-hmm. waits until he's promoting his movie to create mm-hmm. this controversy so that people start talking about him and start talking about his film. Right. You know, you know, you pick on the billion dollar franchise company. Right. You know, to get people to, you know, start talking about your movie, which is coming out and to hopefully get them in the theaters. Right. To see it. But, um, but anyway, you know, I don't think he's wrong in that, you know, the Marvel movies and DC movies, they do work off of a, of a kind of a formula and a format. Sure. 
in terms of what they want to give you, you know, especially the origin story movies. At the same time, a movie's job, first and foremost, is to entertain. Right. Um, anyway, I didn't know. Had you heard about the, his comments and what did you think when you heard about it? I had and I wasn't I wasn't uh, actually wasn't offended by it um, because um, he didn't say anything. It was like he didn't say he didn't, he didn't go off like a. He didn't go for Alejandro Jodorowsky did about, about Mobius uh, and, and American comics and Marvel comics. Like, they're shit. They're shit. That's what I said. They're shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fuck you. He went, he went deep too, man. I mean, he went like, fuck, fucking, fucking Marvel comics. You know? So, wow. <laughs> that's like, that's like uh, you, you mentioned David Lynch earlier. Right. Uh, Lynch, this is maybe about 10, 12, 15 years ago, maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And maybe not that long ago, because it was in the era of smartphones where they had Lynch and he was being interviewed and he was talking about, you know, hearing of people now watching movies on their phone. Right. And he was pissed off. He was like, (laughs) you're watching a movie on your phone, on your fucking phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same Uh, principle. Same principle. Yeah, yo, well, he was ticked off, but yeah, man. Uh, but anyway, I interrupted you. What were you saying? No, you're fine. So I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I, you know, like, you know, like that was like Yadorovsky. So I mean, I, I, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion, and you know, there, there is a very formulaic way that Marvel does films, but you know what? They earned that formula. It was a thing where they started off with something that might not have worked in the first place. They're trying the first, first Iron Man film, and from there it grew into a thing which they can use and was was sustainable. So why not use it? It's, it's become it's become their earmark for how they do things, and it works. So. You know, um, let's just hope that, you know, Dune, because Dune deserves a, a, a grand rebirth. I mean, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it arguably is one of the first, um, one of the first uh, of its kind in terms of, of, of uh, um, a science fiction, uh, I guess a neopolitical science fiction religious storyline that, 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 that works and goes through, it, goes through, through, through ages. Um, it, it works. And to the point that even even George Lucas uh, has has taken from it, liberally, liberally, Tatooine Tatooine is Arrakis, okay. Um, the, okay, okay, all right, all right, damn. S- seriously, Tatooine is Arrakis. Uh, there's just numerous things that go into me. I won't I won't go into, dude. But um, it's 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 definitely a, it's definitely one of those um, Keystone science fiction fantasy films that 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 uh, as time has come, and hopefully they'll 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 the casting seems great. I have a couple. I mean, I I, I must admit, I, I I much prefer the lady that played uh, uh, Paula Trade's mother played played Jessica in the films. She looked more regal. She had a, a certain kind of look to her that I liked that um, Rebecca Ferguson doesn't have. Mm-hmm. But 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 I'm going to give Rebecca Ferguson a chance um, to as much as I, as much as I, I can give um, the the gender swap uh, of uh, of Leah Kynes to uh, to uh, the news version. Gotcha. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Yeah, which arguably is not exactly how it's said in the book. I know, but I know, I know. I'm, I'm super paraphrasing here. <laughs> you know, but it, but it works. It works. It works. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.